Well, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Uh, this you. is episode uh, 15, I believe. And, um, and we, uh, this is the journey. And on the journey, it is just a story of um, uh, individual stories of ordinary people and their, and their stories as they go through transformation throughout their lives. If they've had setbacks, if they've had struggles at different times, and how, um, how they work through those, what did they learn from that end of it. Uh, of going through those struggles, and then what have they, um, what most important, what have they learned from it, and how are they doing life now as a result of that? So, uh, Jason Gutier, uh we've uh, known each other for quite a few, we quite have. a few years. Yep. Yeah, um, probably ten. Yeah, I was going to say at least at least ten years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, well, before we get into uh, too much of your story and 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 that aspect of it. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about what do you do for fun? What do you do to relax? What do you do um, if you have some downtime when you're not working and uh, being with family? I have four kids, so I don't yeah. have much downtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of my downtime I spend um, on bicycles. Um, I have been collecting projects over the last couple of years, okay. um, trying to get into those um, my job is essentially a hobby for most people, so okay. I do a lot of side work and okay. just to relax. Okay, um, carpentry. Sure. Yep. So I remember when we, you know, after we first met, I remember you telling me stories about biking, mm-hmm. and yep. and so when you say bicycle, I, that's probably not the full story of what you do as far as uh, when you're biking. Um, at this point. It sort of is. I've kind of, okay. I've kind of stepped back a little oh, bit. Oh, have you? Okay. Well, just because, um, because of my kids. Okay. I want to put the time into them. Okay. You know, they're nine, eleven, okay. thirteen, and fifteen. So. Okay. They're okay. all involved in baseball and softball, okay. football and okay. basketball. So, um, I put a lot of time into them, and honestly, take a lot of enjoyment from, um, supporting them and okay. all their sports and. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so, as the the kids, uh, nine to fifteen, mm-hmm. and boys and girls, uh, kind of give us the breakdown. Um, yep. Two boys, Zion and Zeb, and then Ophelia. Okay. And Oliver. Oliver. So is, yeah. And Oliver's the youngest. No, Oliver's, Oliver's the, oldest. the oldest. Yep. So it's sorry. It's Zeb is the youngest. Okay. Zion is eleven. Ophelia's thirteen, and Oliver's fifteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. All right. Yep. Yeah, that is a that's a pretty wide range. It, there. it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so, so then your your oldest is a sophomore in high school. Um, he is a sophomore. Sophomore. Yep. Okay. Yep. And, and what schools do they go to? They go to Byron High School Byron, or Byron okay. schools. Yeah. Byron, Byron yep. schools. Okay. Yep. Oh, good. Good. So, so um, so t- then you are also um, work as a carpenter, and and so tell us a little bit about. Uh, I've I've worked as a carpenter for the last 18 years. Okay. Um, I've stepped out of that role into okay. more of a sales management, um, estimating, okay, bidding type role. Okay. Moved, essentially, hung up my tool bags and okay. moved into the office. Okay. Um, and so, and how was that? How how was that transition as you went? Into um, that? it's been good. Okay. Um, there are days that I would I'd rather be out swinging a hammer Um, but there are days that I wake up in the morning and my body says you don't need to be going back to doing that yeah 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 that's after too many days of swinging a hammer. it it is yes (laughs) sure yeah I I can I can relate to that uh, on a certain level we're doing a a remodeling project 
um, at uh, at a lake home up in Wisconsin, okay. and yeah. uh, we we did uh, we volunteered to do all the demoing um, okay. of yep. that and try to save some cost. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that w that was a definitely an interesting experience. Yeah, uh, it's uh, not like television. No, not, <laughs> not at all. Uh, my dad had a, a handyman business when I was okay. growing up, and and so I had an opportunity to um, help out with him and, and learn some things um, at that time. And, and then there was a pretty big gap where I didn't do much because of sports and right. um, bodybuilding and mm -hmm. school and college yeah. and things like that. But, um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's, been, it's been fun getting back involved with it. But, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember being this sore back then. Yeah, well, <laughs> so, yeah. well we're all a little older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so um, part, I know that you've had a pretty interesting uh, of your own story, not only um, from the aspect of of what you uh, have now worked your way from in carpentry and all the different things you've done with that, but then also your own personal story. Mm -hmm. And um, I just want to invite you in because you're doing some pretty interesting projects now of helping other individuals out and yeah. and um, trying to raise some awareness. But yeah. um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, how that, uh, what, not um, a little bit about your background and a little okay. bit about your backstory. Okay. Um, when I was two, um, my dad died of lymphoma. Okay. So raised by a single mom, primarily with her family okay. um, as her support. And you were the only child? Um, at that point, at I that, was. Okay. Yep, at, okay. At that point, okay. I was. Um, and then, you know, only child, kind of had the world. Sure. Um, my mom got involved with an individual around my age of um, eight, nine, okay. ten years old. Okay. Um, he was put in prison for um, child sexual abuse. Okay. Um, we moved closer to where he was going to be. And um, again, not really had much um, much care about anything. We, from the outside, from what I knew, um, we did well. Um, my mom was still there, um, had a lot of friends. And then all of a sudden, um, I was put in foster care. Um, my aunt came to visit us. She became aware of maybe some something happening to me at some point uh, okay. when he got out of prison. Tried to put me with my dad's parents. Um, but because I grew up with my mom's family, um, they really felt like I should be with them. So we kind of went back and forth with that struggle. So your maternal, your maternal grandparents were advocating for you to be with them? Yes. Yep. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I think, and obviously I don't know because I was pretty young at the time. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that because it was my mom she and it was her family that was fighting for that mm -hmm. fighting for essentially my safety sure but from her perspective was I was being taken away from her mm -hmm. um, so she wanted me to go with my dad's family okay. neither one of them they didn't really get along um, through that period of time okay. so the state decided that 
they would put me in foster care. So because they couldn't figure it out, so to speak. Yes. And then the state intervened yeah. um, and said, okay, he's going to go into foster care. Right, correct. And, and so just to make sure the timeline-wise, so you were two, two years old when your biological father died. Yes, yep. And then your mom met another gentleman, mm-hmm. another guy. How old were you when, was it eight years old when he, uh, mom had met him or? He was actually um, the pastor at the local church. He was pastor at the local so church. So I had known him for, okay, so for you, a while. Okay, yeah. so you guys had known him for a, long, for yes. a while. Yep. And, um, and then, so when you said, and I think I lost this part of it, when you said you were eight or nine, was that when you moved closer? That to was where when we moved closer. Moved closer yes. where he was being, yes. uh, he was in prison at that yes. time. Yes. Okay. Yep. And to a closer proximity to that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And um, and then and when your, I guess your aunt came in and mm-hmm. had observed something. Was he still in prison at that time? He was. He still he was. was. Okay. Yep. Um, soon to be getting out. Okay. Um, between the time she found the evidence and him being, um, him getting out um, is when I was put in foster care. Gotcha, okay, yep. okay. Yep. And and was that in uh, the same community that that um, that your mom was living in or was it a different community or? Um, it was the same community. Same, yeah. same community, yep. okay. Yep. And, and you, so you were eight or nine, maybe 10 years old at that yep. time. Yep. And now you're in foster care. And yeah. yeah, so what was that experience like? Um, my foster care experience, fortunately, was was good. Okay. Um, I was in four different foster homes over a two-year period, I think. Okay. Um, and none of them were because, none of the moves were because of um, bad situations, bad um, homes. It was just, it was life, really. Um, the first family that I lived with, she had just finished her degree and was going back to school. Um, the second family that I was with, um, I think they had just had enough. Um, it had been a while, and okay. um, their kids were getting older themselves. Okay. Um, the third family I was with, um, I still keep in touch with. Okay. Um, their son is the same age as I am. Okay. And uh, they, again, had had a string of, a few, a few rough kids okay. and were were pretty much kind of just done at that point. Yeah. Um, I moved in with another family, and then my um, my grandparents got custody of me. After that fourth? Half, after the fourth, yes. <clears throat> so okay. I moved in with them the second half of my sixth grade year. With your grandparents? With my grandparents, yes. Now, and this was your mom's parents? Yes. You're okay. Yep. So, so yep. the ones who originally... You wanted to go with, and originally, or, or your aunt yeah. I was gonna thought, say I don't know that I ever yeah. had a choice. Yeah, yeah, necessarily. Yeah, or your aunt thought you should go right, with right. type of thing. Yep. And um, and that's an interesting. It's 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 interesting. A lot of the stuff that you're talking about, you didn't have <clears throat> you didn't have choice. No. In. It was all other people right. making choices for you, um, based upon um, a need for safety, a perceived need for safety. Um, right. But it was a lot of lot of adults in your life making choices for you right Correct. and uh, and so when you think back to that time period uh, for you uh, what, what was what were you thinking how was that how, what was going through your mind as all this was happening I mean you probably didn't rem- remember physically remember your dad nope 
but you remember seeing pictures and yeah. things yeah. and the stories that people told you because of yeah. how old you were. Right. Um, uh, but And then at one point you said, well, you were an only child, you were with your mom, so you, mm-hmm. you, you, know, you had the world you know, <laughs> yeah. at your hands, yeah. mm-hmm. and then things started changing. And, yeah. and so what was that experience like uh, it, from what you can remember? Well, like I said, um, it was a lot of adults making choices yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, as an 8 to 12-year-old, mm-hmm. that feels right mm-hmm. because that's what they're supposed to do. Right, right. Um, they're supposed to protect you and guide you and you know do all that stuff for you. Um, so I, I don't know that I felt... Um, externally, like anything was wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it was. There, yeah. I was being moved around, and mm-hmm. there were things happening. But I never felt um, felt like it was not the right thing to be happening. Okay. Um, I didn't feel unprotected, really. Okay. Um, through that. In those two years of the four foster families that you live with, and then eventually your your grandparents, mm-hmm. were were you changing schools that often too, or were you? Um, I was in. We moved to Marion, Illinois. I moved to another another small town for one foster home, and then was in the same school for the next three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So at least you, for the most part, had the same friends, or could yeah. at least had the opportunity yeah. to have the same friends. Yep the same school environment, mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't like you were bouncing around all right. that much. Right, right, um, I, uh, my, my, back, my background is a school social worker, and, right. and, um, and there's sometimes when I've heard these stories, st- similar types of stories um, for individuals that have been involved with foster care and, and have had, to, uh, maybe for different reasons, but similar types of, uh, of transient, you know, moving around and stuff. That they um, were angry, and mm-hmm. and they were angry of not only why they were in foster care, um, they were away from their parents or away from who they wanted to be with necessarily. Yeah. But then they were angry because of the constant feeling like they were visiting, you know, right. yeah. and um, never really feeling grounded. Mm-hmm. And um, but it doesn't that doesn't sound like that was necessarily what you remember of it? No, it's not what I remember of it. Um, I do remember, though, times of um, displacement. Um, There were times I definitely acted out. Um, I threatened to run away. Mm -hmm. Um, I got into fights that I didn't, wouldn't typically get into. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a good student, so I kept that up. Um, It actually wasn't until I moved in with my grandparents um, that that part of it changed, but. I think I think that was what I had to hold on to was, um, was academic my, performance. Yes, yeah, academic. Okay. okay. Yep. Uh, and did you uh, play play sports, or were you involved with activities, or was it mostly just focused on uh, you know doing good in school, and then um, whatever was going on at the households that you were staying in? Yeah, I was involved in sports. I played a little bit of soccer. Okay. Um, I played some basketball. Um, you know, obviously some of the stuff that I didn't feel like I was, you know, out of sorts, displaced necessarily, there were things that happened to me physically that, um, that looking back were definitely signs of, like, I, 
I went from being this rail, um, physically, mm-hmm. size-wise, to a heavy set um, kid. So, playing sports um, and being self-conscious of myself just okay. didn't happen at that at that point. Okay. So, so there was some body image. Yeah. There was a weight yeah. gain. Yeah. And and when how old do you think or grade were you in when the weight gain began? Um, fourth, fifth. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. So this was before the weight gain happened prior to the first foster care. Uh, right well, in right, that, right, 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 right around that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kind okay. of the transition. The transition from the hometown I grew up in okay. to Southern Illinois, okay. and then moving into foster okay. care. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, and so then you moved into with your grandparents, and yep. so tell us a little bit about what what that was like and if I remember correctly your grandfather grandmother they lived on a farm yep right? yeah and um, because I remember you telling me multiple stories about the farm yeah and yep. uh, um, and so what was it like um, being there I mean obviously this was a familiar place it was a familiar place um, we'll begin with my grandparents um, they really were my grandparents mm-hmm. and continued to spoil me mm-hmm. kind of let me get away with whatever I I wanted to thankfully I didn't get into too much trouble Um, it was you know from my perspective that you know just normal adolescent um, Mm -hmm. trouble Um, I did let my grades suffer I I would stay home from school because I was sick Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to go I was picked on made fun of you know I was the new kid, but I wasn't the new kid. Mm-hmm. I had gone to the same school, um, first and second grade. Okay. Moved away, came back in sixth. Oh, okay. Um, so I knew a lot of the kids, but I missed four years yeah. with them. So. so it was a pretty big difference. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Do you think? Um, do you think maybe thinking back on it, because it sounds like a, a lot of times when when you know young young kids are not wanting to be moved or displaced or you know so they will do things to how can I you know get approval how can I please Mm -hmm. you know other times we might respond because we don't think we can please we might respond with anger do you think maybe that might have been part of what was happening with the grades that uh, you didn't want uh, you wanted the foster parents not to have to worry about that or be upset about your grades so you did well in school because you could, and, right. and it was also maybe an easy way to get validation and affirmation, um, yeah. and yes, and so, so to secure some level of stability, you could have some part in that right. by your performance in school, mm-hmm. where when you started living with your grandparents, maybe you knew you were set, and, right. and, and maybe um, and there was a little maybe a little bit less structure from that on or internally you right. knew you didn't have to work as hard um, right. because they weren't going to you know um, yeah you weren't going to get moved again correct yeah i, I think there's there's some validation sure, sure. To do that. and i can see i can see that even with mm-hmm. my you know with my own experience of of you know i i don't i want to see what kind of control that i can have yeah and this is one of the things that you could was the academic piece yeah um, so you go through high school Yep. And um, and do you have much contact with your mom or my when I moved in with my grandparents, um, 
the role that they had and the role that my mom had kind of flipped. My mom was who I visited on holidays and, you know, occasionally throughout the, the school year in the summer. Okay. Um, much, much in the same way you would your grandparents. Sure. Um, okay. My grandparents became, you know, my, my home. Essentially your yeah. parents. Yeah. yeah. Though they, though they still treated you like their grandson, yes, and not necessarily disciplining you or guiding yeah. you the same way right. as right. as um, as their own son. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. And then um, graduated from school, right? Mm-hmm. And, I did. And grad- what high school did you graduate from? Uh, Macon High Macon. School. Okay. And then um, what did you do after high school? Uh, then I went to college. Okay. Um, I started my college career in. Um, information systems uh, decided that after a semester a, a desk job sitting behind a computer was not where I wanted to be okay. at that point um, so then I ended up going down to southern Illinois okay and got a degree in agriculture oh okay all right mm-hmm. and um, did you end up doing anything with the agriculture degree nope not okay. at all <laughs> not at all okay nope right. and um, and SIU is in Carbondale which is yep. where my mom lived okay um so she kind of became a parent again um mm, okay. you know i i would do my laundry there she would you know have meals for me occasionally if i ever needed to get out of the dorm okay that's that's where i went okay um, and at that point had i had a sister half sister okay um who's 11 years younger than i am okay and was she at that time, or I guess is she now, still with the same? She was at that time. He it? has since passed away. Okay. I think my, I think Oliver, my 15-year-old, was two when he died. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So so she was with him then yeah. at that point. And, um, and so he, so she was living with him in Carbondale yeah. when, um, when you would go and yeah. do your laundry there mm-hmm. or whatever it may have yeah. been. Yeah. Did you have much interaction with him or no? Some, um, at a distance. Yeah. I I didn't want to rock the boat too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's never really been my ideal, so mm-hmm. I, I didn't. Yeah. Um, and clearly, mom had uh, a strong loyalty to him. Yes. And yep. and so that was very apparent based mm-hmm. upon even from an early, you know, early experience in your life. That right. Um, even though even though you may not have known what was really going on, but right. clearly there was a loyalty on her part right. uh, to him, and or and or their relationship, or however she would right. define that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a pretty clear, a pretty clear message. It was. Um, it was even to the point where, when I was in foster care, I had visitation with my mom. Um, and she, she would take me to their house and drop me off with him. So at that point, the fear that my aunt had of me being abused when he got out of prison came to fruition. Okay. So under the care of um, the state of Illinois and, you know, so, the foster care system. So, okay, so you're in foster care mm-hmm. be- because... Mom is with someone who has been arrested and now imprisoned for being a sex sex offender. Mm-hmm. To, I'm assuming to minors, right? Yes. Yep. And 
and she is having a relationship with him. She did she have she didn't have a relationship with him before he got in prison, did she? Not that I know Not, of. Yeah. Uh, assuming now, yes. Okay. But yeah. Um, but she then moved to closer proximity of him. Yeah. And at this point, nothing had, had, has happened to you. No. But there was concern based upon how mom was with him that if if and when he becomes released, he'll be living with her. Yes. So that was the grounds on which you were removed from the home. Correct. Okay. And and then when mom would have visitation or when you would go and visit mom, she would leave you unattended or, or um, she wasn't there. Yeah. With, for all sakes and purpose, your stepfather. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then he did um, abuse you then. Yes. At some at some time, mm-hmm. yep. during that time period. Yeah. So that would have been well somewhere between ten and twelve. Ten and twelve. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yep. So aunt, your aunt's fear then did come uh, did come so to speak true. Yeah. Of what of what could happen, but this mm-hmm. was all under the time period. When you're supposed to be protected by DCFS and the foster care system. Correct. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so clearly, somebody dropped the ball. Right. Yes. Yeah. With yeah. that, I mean, yeah. and obviously, we could start. You know, um, unfortunately, with your mom, we could start there. Mm-hmm. But even with that, um, what we call now is supervised visits. It mm-hmm. would have been a supervised visit visitation situation, right. and um, and that wasn't what was happening, obviously. Right. And there were times. It, you know, it was gradual. I had supervised visits with her during the week, evenings, mm-hmm. a couple times a week. Supervised visits, I think, every other Saturday okay. for a time period in the morning. And then it shifted to, you know, then unsupervised visits like on Saturdays or whatever. Okay. And so sometimes during that unsupervised visits... Is when yes when the abuse happened. Yep. yep. So, and and did you did you tell anybody? Um, no. 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 And, and what was the concern or f- thinking back about? I mean, you were young, so I mean, right. right. What What do you think was um, one of the multitude of factors why you may not have shared anything with anybody at that time? I don't know, honestly. Okay. Um, okay. I don't know why I didn't, because, you know, that was kind of around the same time that the whole movement to, you know, telling people and if anybody touches you inappropriately, you know, that's kind of around that time that all that kind of started. Um, I don't know why I didn't tell anybody. Um, Obviously, I I didn't have a dad, Mm -hmm. Um, passed away when I was two. He was the closest thing I had, mm-hmm. um, essentially. Looking back, I mean, there was my grandpa, but he was not in the picture at that At that point, because you're still in the right, foster care. Still in yeah. foster care. Um, and I'm sure is the norm with that type of predator. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, I love you, mm-hmm. you're, and all that. Yeah garbage well and and there is and I'm glad you bring that up because there almost always is um, I do some uh, some of my talks for the SOS the Mm -hmm. shatter of silence and 
one of the portions I talk about is sexual assault. And, yeah. and the research shows that one out of six boys are going to be sexually assaulted before their age of 18, and one out of four girls um, before 18. Um, but 80% of the time, it's by someone that the family knows or that, that, that um, the victim knows. Right. And so it's a family member, it's a friend of the family members in, in some capacity. And, and I think then with that then also comes uh, a different element um, of grooming that, that happens by, by, that, um, by the perpetrator um, and so does become subtler and, and in a much um, more um, unfolding way where it isn't like what you see in the movies where it's that other 20% that's the stranger and it's more of a, uh, of a one-time act and it's aggressive and, yeah. you know, and where it's much more subtler, which then can be much more confusing right. and, and play all these other um, divisive games mm-hmm. in, in the young person's thinking. Yeah. And it sounds like that's mm-hmm. very much was part of it because I'm guessing he definitely had the had ability to be charming right. when he wanted to be charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I imagine it was a pretty confusing time period, yeah. um, let alone risky because you already been ba- being bounced around at different foster cares um, and what else could happen, right? right. So there's yeah. all these different mm-hmm. elements that, yeah. that could play a part into it. So yeah. then you... Uh, at what point did that all come out that you had been sexually abused? It came out um, and not really came out. I got to the point where I felt comfortable talking about it. Uh, okay. Um, my So I was in college in Carbondale. Um, I met my first wife um, in Carbondale. We um, had a strong relationship. Um, I do remember telling her at some point that I had been abused, um, just because I thought that's something that you know a spouse mm-hmm. um, should know. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of as far as it went. Okay. Um, it was never addressed further. Um, and from my perspective, and I'm not putting her at fault. From my perspective, that's all that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. I needed to tell her, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was out at that point. Um, but she was young, too. Right, exactly. And, and so, exactly. so she what, you know, yep. probably didn't even know what to do with that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it was a long time ago, so, okay, right. you, you shared, a, shared a secret, right? Yep. And so, yep. so, okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so then how old were you when you guys got married? Uh, 22. So you guys 22. were young when yeah. you started a family. Yeah. You started, yeah. got married and started a family soon after yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I know a little bit. How long were you guys, I mean, obviously you had four kids, but yep. how long were you married? Uh, we were married for 10 years. Okay. 10 years. Right. Um, and we, we, have, we have four kids. We had five. Okay. Um, we had Zeke, who was born a year before Oliver okay. and only lived a year, or a week, sorry. Okay. Lived a week. Okay, I'm yep. sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a that's a, a, a tough uh, yeah. a tough go as well. Yeah. How um, when you think back about that that those those ten years um, mm-hmm. and and that 
that that time period and and raising kids and 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 going through the loss of a, a child, but mm-hmm. but yourself only being twenty two. Um, right. What do you What do you now? You'll look back on that time period. What would if you if you knew now what you what you know now, but didn't know then? Right. What, what would you tell that Jason back then? Um. I would tell him to take a step back and recognize and understand the different um, events that have happened in his life. Um, Because if you don't, they just pile up on top of one another. Okay. Yeah. And that's what you would tell a 24-year-old Jason or a 26-year-old mm-hmm. yep. Jason. Yep. And um, when you think back, what, what was Jason of 24, 26, 28? What was, what was he doing? He wasn't stepping back and looking. No, he was just moving forward. Just moving yep. forward, okay. Yep. And, and, and just trying to make things happen. Yep, and, and I was under the impression, um, you know, that's just how it worked. You just kind of push through and okay. make it happen and... That's the way the world sure works. Okay. Yeah. And and so you get divorced. You're yep. 32, 33 years old. Yep. And um and then that's a whole other series of losses it and is. series of things yeah. that that yeah. that you go through with that. And um and then if we fast forward a little bit to you know where you've been at in the last um you know because you're how old right now? 42. 42. Okay. So, so you've had 10 years since, since the separation and divorce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so where would you say for you as things started, maybe um, you did learn how to just step back. And it was, as you mentioned, it was more than just um, revealing a secret. Right. Um, but it was, it was more than that. So maybe tell me a little bit more about what, what was happening then. So after I got divorced, um, I was working for myself, um, had a lot of free time. That was when I was doing a lot of writing. Okay. Um, kind of felt like at that point, that was my out. I was working out, exercising, um, spending time with friends. Went through a couple different rough relationships. Not rough in um, that they were tough, um, but they were struggles for me internally mm-hmm. because I I couldn't settle. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how good the relationship looked like on the outside, I, my heart, my mind, whatever, just couldn't settle. Um, I thought I got out of that. Um, and then, you know, it was in a really good relationship for a while. And even that um, went south. Okay. Um, there was always there was always this need to have an out, to have a backup. Mm. Um, so that, not so not hundred percent committing. Right. Correct. So in my head, committing. Um, yes, um, but just something inside me couldn't, wouldn't commit. Um, and I had, didn't have necessarily 
physical relationships outside of the one that everybody saw, mm-hmm. um, but had online stuff going on and just um, nothing healthy mm-hmm. um, aside from you know what was on the outside, what people could see. So, okay, just to paraphrase what, what I think I just heard you say. So you'd be in a relationship with someone and everything on the, on the outside may appear to be looking mm-hmm. fine, mm-hmm. but in looking like you were all in, and yeah. but then there, there would be some other situation, either someone online or someone that you were connecting with, yeah. you're communicating with, mm-hmm. and it would be, might be what they would consider like an emotional affair. Right. On that on that relationship, and even if it never manifested into being uh, sexual or or physical, right? Um, but there was this um, distraction mm-hmm. of, of that. That was one way of preventing being a hundred percent right committed into that relationship, yeah. and then a hundred percent vulnerable in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so and I imagined just knowing you and yeah. how you internalize things. I imagine yeah. that there. That when those relationships would fail inevitably, because they would, the women would get, would would feel like they, they weren't ever getting enough, right, and, right. and some something would happen, right? Yep. And and then, then you'd be sad, go through the whole process mm-hmm. of of that. Yeah. When when do you think it started shifting? You started make, taking a turn and and looking at doing some things different. Um, because I was in that essentially good relationship really good relationship um you know had everything going for me didn't really have to do much um as far as you know um providing and kids it was just kind of all there Mm -hmm. all the ducks were in the row Mm -hmm. um and then even that you know that relationship went south mm-hmm. at that point I, I just kind of hit rock bottom okay. um, I moved out um, stopped eating um, worked a ton um, in that transition period um, threatened because I didn't know where all of it was coming from mm-hmm. and didn't really feel like there was any kind of end to it because mm-hmm. I had tried mm-hmm. for years to, you know, talk about it, talk to different people, mm-hmm. seek counsel. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And still, even with the counseling, had this external part of me that wouldn't let anybody in, mm-hmm. wouldn't let people, wouldn't let myself tear it apart. Okay. And get to the bottom of it. Okay. Um, so I spent I've spent the last two years spent the of the last two years the first six months to a year just digging into everything okay. that has gone on. Okay. Um, and you know it's it's never been it's never been to the point where I was on the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got into drugs, so my whole life has been this blue-collar slash white-collar life, um, so I think I've kind of hidden behind that, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. internalized everything behind that um, and never felt like I had to um, dig in and mm-hmm. tear it all down. And so in the process of doing that inner work and, mm-hmm. and knowing because of now, uh, you know, uh, not only what happened growing up, right, mm-hmm. but then uh, a marriage that ended in divorce mm-hmm. and, and then losing a child in that, mm-hmm. in, in that marriage and going through a series of different relationships, even to that very last one when everything was supposed to be right mm-hmm. and still you weren't right within the relationship. Right. Um, that ends up being your bottom. Mm-hmm. It thrusts you For into sure. a whole other place of, that I must be the common denominator mm-hmm. here. Um, right. Because now there's no longer an excuse that it's somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's something I must be doing or not doing. Right. And in, in then with that, what was then for you? What did you start discovering about yourself? What are you doing differently now? Um, what what would you, uh, yeah, what are you doing? What's, what's different now as you're, uh, or, or are you able to find some level of peace and being able to uh, practice that vulnerability, practice being able to be 100% in? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I wish I could explain it. I wish I could wrap it up into a formula or a package and sure. put it on the shelf. Sure, sure. Because... I mean, it it has been life-changing. Mm-hmm. Um, I essentially just started praying. Okay. Um, and I know praying means something different to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Christian. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I'm still not exactly sure what that looks like or means. Okay. Um, I have my idea of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I have a, I do have a relationship um, with God that probably doesn't look like a relationship to God or with God to a lot of people. Um, but I just started this series of prayer and exploration and giving everything up to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done that in the past um, to the point where, you know, I'm like, okay, God, I can't do this anymore. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of let it go with that. I've realized that it takes that, but it also takes work on my part. Um, so I started putting some work in. I started seeking, like, different counseling um i went to a psychologist for a while um and then i got hooked up with um the rockford area sexual assault council um got in with them and started figuring out how talking about things isn't necessarily enough for me Mm -hmm. um i learned about trauma and how that affected me Um, I think I was afraid to be a victim at some point um, and to realize that being a victim is okay. It can be taken to an extreme. Um, But for me, I've strung everything together. I put a timeline together and realized that even though on the outside my life has looked 
decent, normal, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff has happened right. um, that affects the mm-hmm. psychology of a person. Sure. And so I, it's almost as if there was a switch mm-hmm. flipped on, mm-hmm. and I've kind of not looked back right. since right. that happened. Well, as we talk a lot of times here on, mm-hmm. on, on the journey, we talk about um, Joseph Campbell's work mm-hmm. of, in the hero's journey and using yeah. that that template. And in many times, we we may have the opportunity um, to do life different. Mm-hmm. And, and Campbell refers to that as being in the first phase uh, of separation. And but whatever that normal is for us, there's a tendency for us to resist that and, right. and go and pursue that. And usually it's based upon some kind of fear. Mm-hmm. If, if that is the fear of pursuing our adventure or pursuing our bliss, or if it's the fear of, of doing something different and being hurt again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like there had been opportunity either in relationships or with people you met or previous counsel or whatever it may be that there was, there was an an offering and an opportunity, but you were not at a place of readiness um, for for a variety of different reasons. And then then when that comes is when you said hitting a bottom. Mm -hmm. And they'll talk about in in addiction work is very much that same way, is that we hit this this bottom or we can't do this anymore. Or it's the beginning it's the it's the acknowledgement of death to ourself in in the Christian spiritual spirituality journey. It's a similar type right. of thing is to die of oneself to then go through the initiation phase, which is the, the second phase of being born again. Right. I think sometimes in, in the Christian church, it, it it ends up being a matter of minutes where right. they you know from yeah. the moment of recognizing your sin to the minute from that to walking down the altar and saying the prayer and then you walk back and everything's right. different. Yeah. Um, and for some maybe it is that way, and mm-hmm. for others, like yourself or, or like me, that initiation phase is a much longer phase right. of of being um, the awakening. Yeah. That, that comes mm-hmm. is is a is a process, and so we meet people who can mentor us through that. Mm-hmm. We learn to do some things different. We learn. Um, we have helpers. We have dragons that we have to face. Right. Um, obstacles that we have to overcome. Yeah. And, and that's all in that initiation phase. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, uh, I mean, to me, there's a lot of reasons why it makes sense to me. I mean, uh, the abuse piece of it didn't happen until you were a little bit older, mm-hmm. but the loss of your father mm-hmm. uh, from cancer and not having a male role model and not having, being fathered um, mm-hmm. and, and mom being distracted, not only maybe with her own grief, but then with this other relationship, right. um, you were making up stuff as you went along. Mm-hmm. And survival, um, by being good, survival by being compliant mm-hmm. um, leads well to building a false self. Right. And and they're much harder to find those wounds when something didn't happen right. versus when something did happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can talk about it. Oh, yeah, I didn't have a father. Yeah. Right. But, but now understanding as you become educated on trauma, um, by not having that father, um, one, it's one of the things I think predators look for. Right. 
especially when <clears throat> with, with uh, abusing boys, um, that they look for that absent, either physically absent or emotionally absent of, of having a father. Right. Um, because then they can come in and fulfill filling that, that grooming role, and it's easier. Right. Um, that wasn't your fault. You had right. nothing to do with that element of, of your father, your biological father, not being there. Um, but it very much was a wound, very much was part of your story that you had to then later readdress when you're 40, mm -hmm. 39, 40, yeah. to start looking at and, and moving through that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the other things that we talk about as we discover that, and it's not just an event, right? It's, right, a, it's yeah. a process of continuing yeah. to learn, and, and, and then we learn a little bit more about what happens in that initiation mm -hmm. phase. Um, but then there's an element where what we've benefited by being in that initiation phase, um, being in that dark night of the soul, mm -hmm. um, we bring back to others, bring back that gold. And I know that you're working on a project in which uh, you're trying to um, well, bring some of your awareness and some of mm -hmm. your experience. And so tell us a little bit about, about that. Okay, there's um, a little bit of backstory. When I moved out and you know, started moving through this process, Things have just, like I said, started happening. Um, a couple years ago, um, I decided that <clears throat> I was missed somehow. Kids like me were missed in the whole process of foster care and um, maybe the transition to um, a permanent home. Um, because I wasn't acting out, mm -hmm. um, essentially. I was not um, skipping school. I wasn't on the street corners. I, mm -hmm. Something was missed. Um, so I had this idea that you and I have talked about yeah. a few times. Um, and kind of creating some sort of program that um, grandparents, parents, um, permanent families can learn maybe how to address these issues that these kids that now because they're safe that's all they need mm -hmm. but there's more than likely something that's going to come out down the road right. and they're going to have to figure out how to deal with that mm -hmm. on their own um, so that idea has been there that's been part of my learning about myself mm -hmm. um, and how that can be addressed. That kind of, it didn't go away, but I tabled it for a while mm -hmm. and just kept moving forward. Yeah. You know, I bought a house. My kids are comfortable with where I'm at. Um, I have a job that I like, that I appreciate. I've just kind of let things happen created goals um, that I'd never had before. Um, and then about a year ago, um, I came up with an idea um, called the Johnny Jar. Um, and with that, have kind of realized that um, what I can do with that and how that can support my previous idea 
Um, and I've kind of, I guess, let my, because of where I'm at now and where I was in the past, mm-hmm. I feel like I have a lot more ability to let things happen, mm-hmm. not be afraid of mm-hmm. where they may stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of just pushed forward and the process and I'm every day I'm in awe of the process because it just keeps moving mm-hmm. without essentially me having to do anything um, I think it's just it's a belief in they can happen yeah so um, instead of you constantly pushing or pulling at it right to make it happen on a certain timeline yep. or schedule yep. It's it's you're allow you're allowing it to unfold as it right as it needs to unfold right. Um, so essentially, now this past um, April was the twelfth time that I've brought my grandpa home from Florida. Okay. So for the past six years, I've um, driven him down and flown home in the fall. Okay. Um, flown down and driven him back in the spring. So okay. I've done that for since he was 90. Right after his 90th birthday um, was the first time I did it. Okay. He just turned 95 in December. Okay. Right. Um, so last spring, we got in the car. He put our coffee in mason jars and then put a lid on the top of it. Um, I, it's hot. I couldn't drink it. Um, our 20 ride, 20 hour ride home, I came up with this idea for a coffee cup style lid that would screw on a mason jar with a handle. Um, again, one of those ideas that you think, eh, is anybody going to go for it? Mm-hmm. So when I got back, I approached a couple people and essentially it just kept moving forward. And I've told a lot of people. I didn't get laughed at, so I just kept moving. Sure. Um, And it's to the point now where it is a viable product. Um, Originally, it was just going to be the lid with the handle. Um, Now it has. Now we have glass jars with my grandfather's name on them. Okay. Um, And with that. and how I've realized that it, because I've, I've thought about the first project that I started, mm-hmm. um, and how I've kind of tabled it. Mm-hmm. If you're if you sit back and are patient, you begin to see how everything comes back together. Sure. Um, I think the Johnny Jar can and will be something. Um, but because it has a story behind it, right? Um, it has my grandpa's name on it. It's essentially his legacy mm-hmm. um, that will be carried forward, mm-hmm. um, and a legacy that brings a family along with it that has been through essentially everything that you can go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, alcohol abuse body image, um, eating disorders, depression, divorce, death, 
it's all there. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, in a family that grew up in a small town in central Illinois, mm-hmm. and we've survived it all. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, I would say at this point in our lives, on the upswing mm-hmm. and where two years ago, I could not have been a part of bringing that family forward mm-hmm. um, through my self, um, self-awareness and my struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, the fight that I've fought the last couple of years, I can mm-hmm. um, and I will mm-hmm. essentially. Um, I think do achieve what I want to and bring a lot of things to to light mm-hmm. um, my grandpa has a pond that has a cabin on it okay and sorry grandpa for saying this but the cabin is not inhabitable by anybody <laughs> sure um, I want to not only be able to support things like SOS mm-hmm. um, but I want to create at the pond um, that has been called Johnny's Party Cabin. I want that to become some place where people can go and celebrate um, whatever it is that they've um, come through. Okay. Um, whatever struggle they faced, if they want to do it by themselves, mm-hmm. they want to do it with a group. I. That is a big part of. Um, where this whole thing has gone sure. and coming. Um, sure. I want it to be a destination. Um, For like a, a retreat celebration. Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, someplace some, somebody can stay, mm-hmm. um, or if it's just a day thing. Just, okay. um, so that's, yeah, okay. that's, that's um, kind of the latest and greatest of it all. Okay. And again, don't really know how it all works. Don't know how it's going to happen. How the ideas have even come to yeah. um, be, um, but just the faith that yeah. they are there and they keep yeah. they keep happening. Um, well, well, I think very much as I'm listening to you, I think it's very much uh, in addiction work. They talk about trusting the process. Right. Um, in, in the in the hero's journey, it is it is what happens with all of us as we continue to walk the journey mm-hmm. and and be aware of where we're at on that uh, cycle. Um, in, in the Christian spiritual journey, it, it's it's about continually being in relationship and walking with. Right. And, but I think as I'm listening to you tell the story today, um, specific, you know, in relation to you, it, it is for that group of individuals who on the outside um, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and mm-hmm. the, the boxes are checked. Yeah. Um, but inside, there's an emptiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, when we're constantly trying to please others right. and still getting our needs met, we may never find our authentic self. Mm-hmm. We may never allow ourselves to. And that idea of being broken and then having to do more than just... Um, talk about the wounds but then find out how were you impacted by those wounds mm-hmm. and 
what did happen and then what didn't happen right. as a result of those wounds and, right. and what that was like and how to then be vulnerable and open yourself up mm -hmm. to, um, to being hurt. Right. And so all those things I think is part of what I'm hearing you say and now wanting to um, educate other individuals uh, have your have your story out there right. um, like you did today but then um, sometime in the future whenever that will be mm -hmm. um, maybe as a as a result of the Johnny jars um, then even going to that next level of having um, a celebratory center or a retreat center mm -hmm. um, for another part of your grandfather's legacy yeah it is yeah. interesting uh, we talk about this all the time how things will come that full circle mm -hmm. and yeah. um, so, Jason, as we wrap up for today, if there was anything that you would want to share with anyone listening, um, and, and many times we have people that will listen um, to the podcast and, and uh, are looking for you know hope or strength or mm -hmm. how could they necessarily, um, if Jason was able to do this, maybe um, it'll, it'll help me. But if there was anything that you wanted to share with anyone listening. Um, first of all, it... Everything is really good right now. Um, the journey has been great. It's not like that every day. Mm -hmm. um, it's not all unicorns and rainbows. Um, but I would say to just keep moving. Mm -hmm. Try to understand where it all comes from. Try to understand that there's um, a purpose for it all. Not necessarily that things happen for a reason, but there is a purpose. Um, a purpose that can be found in That can be found. Um, that we all as individuals have a purpose. Mm -hmm. um, and understand that that purpose may not be realized today, might not have been realized a week ago, but that it will be. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of things that I can do today that without all of the work that I've done, um, I could not have done mm -hmm. two or three years ago. Sure. And I, two or three years ago, I didn't have any um, desire to do any of that. Yeah. Um, I was just where I was, status quo, and assumed that I had to just push through it. Mm -hmm. And that's the way my life was going to look moving yeah. forward. Um, but it's... You know, it's interesting is... I, I, Having known you, like you said, for 10 years, and this is probably, maybe that's what the, what the biking used to do for you, mm -hmm. it was um, instead of just getting by or just getting through or just existing, um, now it sounds like life is a little bit more adventurous. Mm -hmm. um, and it's adventurous because um, you're maybe more fully present now than, than you have been at other times. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Jason, um, appreciate you being here. Appreciate you sharing you. your story. Um, you. I, I look forward to seeing how it continues to unfold, and 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 then just you know listening to you as you learn more stuff about uh, more about yourself and and how you fit into the fit into the the fabric of other people's lives as well. So thank you. So Jason, Thanks thank for you having again. Me. Yeah, and uh, we'll have to have you on. Um, in a, in, a, in a time period in the future when all this stuff is the Johnny Jars out uh, mm -hmm. for public okay. and, and, and see how the rest of your adventure is, okay. uh, is going. So Sounds good. Thank Perfect. you. Thank you. So thank you very much for uh, being here with this episode. Um, we will have another episode next week and I uh, look forward to being with you then. Thank you.